0: Hi, everybody, welcome to Sports Beef. On this week's show, we're focusing on a story that lives at the intersection between the worlds of music, politics, and sport. And that story concerns the protracted legal struggles of hip hop artist Meek Mill. So, earlier this week, I spoke to Kevin Murphy, who joined us via Skype from New York. You may remember Kevin from previous reports he's done on this show from Ukraine and, uh, and Lebanon. Well, he's now helping to produce a soon-to-be-released podcast series telling the Meek Mill story. So, without further ado, let's get straight into it.
1: I said I would never change, but should it change me? Somebody save me, save me. Save me. 23 and 1, it all made, drove me crazy. In the cell all alone, can't let it face me. I just want to make it home and see my baby. I fell in love with these streets. I seen a honey
0: dope Okay, right now we're going to discuss a story that uh, has a kind of a roundabout connection to the world of sport, and that is the plight of hip hop artist Meek Mill. Joining us to break it down is our former Ukrainian football correspondent, former Middle Eastern correspondent, current New York fashion correspondent, and uh, New York Circuit Court uh, reporter, Mr. Kevin Murphy. Kevin, welcome back to Sports Beef.
2: Thanks, Bill. Good to be back on the show. Um, Slight
0: correction there, though. Philadelphia court reporter, rather than uh, New York. I'll I'll take it, though. I'll take it, Good man. Um, Kevin, to those who aren't super familiar with the Meek Mill story, if we were to just give a brief kind of overview of the chronology of events, I suppose, um, that has led to... The media coverage over the last few weeks really hitting a crescendo, I guess.
2: Yeah, so Mick Mill is a rapper who rose to prominence, I suppose, uh, around 2012
0: uh, when he was signed to, to Jay ZB's label Rock Nation. Um, and you know, over the course of the last few years, he's,
2: he's dated Nicki Minaj, he's uh, released, I think, four or five different albums. Um, and, and really has sort of become become hip-hop royalty um, but prior to all of that happening um, Meek as a, as a 19-year-old uh, was involved in an incident in 2008 um, which resulted in him, 2007 sorry, which resulted in him uh, uh, going to court, uh, taking a plea deal and um, sh- spending a short time in prison and then being released in uh, with the condition that he was on 10 years of probation. And so that took us up to um, uh, November, 2017, when uh, Meek was in Harlem uh, shooting a music video and riding a dirt bike, Um, and he popped a wheelie. Uh, This was posted on Instagram, I think that evening or the following day, Um, and lo and behold, the, the cops came knocking at the door and he was, he was arrested for a, for a technical probation violation. Um, the, the, the charge against him at the time was that he was uh, recklessly endangering the lives of others. That charge was dropped because um, it wasn't the case uh, and so that along with the fact that he had um, intervened in a fight in, a, in an airport in St. Louis previously that year meant that um, the, 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 the judge in his case said that he was thumbing, thumbing his nose that the, the court, wasn't taking his probation seriously, this is almost 10 years from, from the date of the original offence, and was uh, was thrown back in prison for a period of two and a half to four years.
0: Yeah, J- add, adding to that chronology, which was, which was really good, the um, some comments from Jay-Z, he says, on the surface, this may look like the story of yet another criminal rapper who didn't smarten up and is back where he started. But consider this. Meek was around 19 when he was convicted on charges relating to drug and gun possession and he served an eight-month sentence. Now he's 30, so he's basically been on probation for his entire adult life. For about a decade, he's been stalked by a system that considers the slightest infraction a justification for locking him back inside. So, before, before we get into the larger picture of what... What this means, what it says about kind of like comparative justice and the experience of the justice system. Um, who are the characters in the case, and and is there a doubt, I guess, about the plea deal he took in in the in the original arrest? Like, if we go back to the root of it all.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a number of elements there that you've raised, and they're all they're all they're all really important. Um, it, it, it's, it's an extremely, it is an extremely complicated case on the face of it, just for Meek himself. But when you when you delve more deeply into it, it's really uh, instructive of the the experience that many men of color um, have with with the criminal justice system in America. And I think that is that is why that's why it's so important, and that's why people like Jay Z and Meek himself are very very keen to turn this into a, a pivotal moment in terms of uh, criminal justice reform. Um, and, and when you talk about a, a cast of characters, I mean, the, the, the list is, is, is kind of endless. Um, Michael Rubin is the, is the, the, the co owner of the 76ers. And he has been um, a, a real ally of, of, of Meek for, for quite a long time. Not sure exactly when they became friends, but, but they, they seem to be very close. Um, Michael Rubin was the person who picked up Meek from, from, from the prison, threw <laughs> him back in his helicopter for, for the 76ers. Uh, final game against Miami Heat uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know he he's using this as a platform um, to promote uh, criminal justice reform. Obviously, Jay Z has talked about that quite a lot as well. Um, and then on top of that, you have you have a whole host of other characters uh, that have been um, heavily involved in this story. Governor Tom Wolf uh, came out on Friday. That's the governor for Pennsylvania, and talked about a list of um, a sort of. A long list of, of, of criminal justice reform um, that that he would that he would like to see imposed, not just in Pennsylvania but but across the country. Um, and, and one of the people that sort of has has kept their their counsel for the moment in this case and hasn't really given any interviews or, or discussed this with the media is, is the judge herself um, in the case, Judge Janice Brinkley. Um, her her relationship with Meek has 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 been strange, I think, certainly f- from the outside. And it's very hard to get an insight into exactly what her thinking is on a number of the infractions and technical uh, parole, uh, technical probation violations that, that Meek has had. Um, but, you know, there there have been stories that, you know, she has asked Meek to dedicate songs to her,
0: that she has um, sort of followed him very closely in person uh, in Philadelphia to figure out what he's been doing, uh, and when as, as part of the terms of probation and that's you know as far
2: as we know not not very common for for judges to take such an active um interest in in the in the day-to-day movements of of, of uh, their subjects in the court so it, it is it is very complicated um and i think you know meek since his release uh what just a couple of weeks ago um has been uh, very vocal, has been at the forefront of, of media appearances. He's appeared on on CBS with Lester Holt and done an in depth interview with him, which I think is is, is due to be released. Or it was just released at the weekend. Actually, it was Mick's, Mick's birthday, um, and you know that combined with with appearances in New York and uh, he, he's been given interviews to a number of, of, of different media outlets. And you know, and he, he's very he's very good at staying on message, and he seems to be a very humble. Um, very soft-spoken and, and very nice character, um, and he has talked a lot during um, his interviews and, and media appearances about about the difficulties facing um, young men of color, uh, not just uh, in Philadelphia but throughout the country, and, and talked about like little things like police contact, and given the the um, areas that they that they live in and grow up in. Uh, and the per- police presence within within their neighbourhoods and places uh, where they live and, and frequent, it, it's almost impossible for them to stay away from 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 the law. Um, you know, they, they're deemed to to have committed a probation violation just by being in police contact. So if you end up um, being questioned by
0: the police over something that you know you have had nothing to do, you've been picked up incorrectly, you've been in a place. Um, where you, where you know you had every right to be, and something happened
2: that had nothing to do with you. That's deemed police contact, and you are at the at the um, at the whim of the court when it comes to deciding whether they can put you back in prison for for minor fractions like that. So,
0: and um, you know, it's it's really been demonstrative, I think, for 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 a lot of people in power that the system needs to change. I think uh, just uh, I mentioned briefly. Com- the the comparative experience of the of the criminal justice system, which which maybe just is, is right to to raise this point. Uh, just quoting a CNN piece on the um, on on the situation. After the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke earlier this year, people wondered aloud why Meek, who hadn't been convicted of a serious crime since 2008, was behind bars when Weinstein, an alleged serial abuser with alleged allegedly shady business practices. Was allowed to continue his alleged shadiness behind the scenes for decades. That—that—that um, yeah, that, that is it in a nutshell, right? It's like it's um, two individuals whose uh, whose actual infractions, be they alleged in Weinstein's cases, are are vastly different, both in in frequency and volume, and and they're in two very different situations. Yeah, well, I think. Look, I
2: mean, you know, for for any case, I think it's. Not, it's not particularly useful to get involved in, in, in water boundary because the, the two situations are very different. But at the same time, what you're saying is instructive. And and what it is is that you you have this you have this young boy at the time who was 19 years of age who um, you know ended up on the wrong side of the law and for the for the past 11 years for his entire adult life has been paying for a very minor mistake. Um, and and not only that, there are questions around. Uh, the authenticity of the testimony given against them by by the police has been, uh, for for the last three or four years, has been a huge number of cases has been um, either dropped or retried in the courts of Pennsylvania because of a number of the police that are involved in Meeks case. Um, and yeah, you compare that to, to Harvey Weinstein or any number of of, uh, of powerful, uh, generally white men, and the, the 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 price that they have to pay. For,
0: for crimes that are much greater and much more serious and much more damaging, um, you know we we haven't we haven't seen very few
2: of them fall on their own sword. So, um, it, you know it does highlight that there is that there is a huge discrepancy and a huge lack of fairness within within the system. here
0: um, Looking at the sporting angle to this, uh, you mentioned the Philly the seventy sixes owner um, Josh Harris. That's his name, right? Sorry. Um, um, Michael Rubin, sorry. The um, um, You've also got Colin Kaepernick weighing in. Sadly, there are black folks going through the same radicalised injustices within the justice system that Meek Mill has experienced for over a decade every single day. This requires more than just gradual reform in laws. It requires a swift overhaul. Um, uh, Philadelphia Eagles player Malcolm Jenkins saying that Meek Mill is, is, is not an angel. He is a man, a man who has made some mistakes, and for ten years has paid for those mistakes. Um, you also got a very strange relationship between the New England Patriots owner Bob Kraft and uh, and Meek Mill, who seem to be like best buds courtside at at the 76ers Celtic series, uh, which is ongoing.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's something to do with uh, with Michael Rubin perhaps himself and uh, Robert Robert Kraft uh, have been hanging out. But um, yeah, for some reason, Meek me and him seem to be uh, pictured together quite often now. Um, uh, I mean, look, Michael Rubin has 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 really promoted promoted this case. I think I think the fact that, that him and Meek are, are are close
0: and are good friends um, has 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 been fortuitous for for for. For Meek Mills in terms of promoting uh, and sort of drawing uh, the spotlight towards his case. Um, I mean, a couple of weeks ago when Meek was released, I thought it was a really uh, touching and, and important moment when he was the one that came to uh, came to the, the, the Sixers Stadium, the Wells Fargo Center, before before the last game against um,
2: Miami, and he, he rang the Liberty Bell. Uh, and obviously, there's a huge amount of symbolism caught up in that. So. You know, Michael Rubin has, has been helpful for him in terms of being able to um, shine a spotlight and, and, and bring national prominence to his case. Um, but as Colin Kaepernick alluded to in, in his comments that, that you mentioned, um, it, that isn't the, the case for many, uh, for many men of colour uh, throughout America. They don't have the resources and they, they don't have the, the national voice that, that Meek has. Um, and I suppose that's, that's, that's why Meek has, has been very um, good and been very vocal uh, about saying that this this really he sees it as his mission now is, is trying to to force this change and between him and, and his allies like Michael Rubin and Robert Kraft you know maybe maybe that's possible maybe that's maybe, maybe that's something that they can achieve.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating story, Kev. Maybe you might tell us a little bit about your uh, your own personal role in it and what uh, what we should look out for on that front.
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm involved in a, in, a, in the production of a podcast. About uh, about Meek Mill's case at the moment, um, and that will that should be available for for uh, for listeners worldwide um, come early October. So, um, but perhaps closer to the time, uh, I can come back on and, um, and and do a bit of a plug for them whenever all the details are are a bit clear for, for all all sports people listeners.
0: Nice one, absolutely, um, Kevin. Anything else jumping out for you from the world of sport or, or beyond? Uh, before you let no, you go I thought
2: it was I thought it was just a, a funny moment um, for uh, for the 76ers on on, uh, on was it Saturday night I think it was Saturday sorry. night um, for anyone who didn't watch the game uh, 76ers were 2-0 uh, down uh, in the series a um, couple of seconds to go and uh, Marco Bailey and Ellie um, Shot a, a ridiculous jump shot, which which looked like it was just on outside the three point line, which would have given them the win. Instead, uh, they tied tied the game. Um, and it, was, it was just just inside. Uh, the confetti guy shoots his load early. <laughs> uh, pops the pops the confetti out. The stadium goes wild, only for them to tie the game. Bring it to overtime, and uh, and ultimately they then they then lost that game. So they're three 0 down going into um, got into uh, game four.
0: They pulled back game four. It's three one right now. Um, game not... four was last night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see it. I just I was on on uh, on vacation, as they say here for, for the past <laughs> days So uh, I missed missed the game last night. But uh, I mean anything's possible. I mean it, it, you know it's been a good year for Philadelphia. So far, Mix, being, Mix obviously was, was a good, um, was a lucky charm for them. On the first on the first uh, on his first game back, but um, yeah, I don't know. When was the last time anybody came back from three 0 down the series to to win? Do you know? Uh, I don't. But thanks for pointing out my fa- my massive failing there. Cheers.
2: Maybe maybe we get John Burnett on he <laughs> to be able to drop drop some knowledge.
0: <laughs> good stuff, Kevy. Great stuff as always. Uh, we'll chat to you again hopefully very soon. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, Bill. Okay, that's it for this week's episode of Sports Beef. It's an incredibly short and punchy version. But join us again over the next few weeks as we'll be reviewing the Champions Cup final. We look forward to the next round of Pro 14 playoffs. We got the Champions League final. Then in June we've got Ireland's tour of Australia, England in South Africa with the one and only Danny Cipriani back in the squad. And of course the FIFA World Cup in Russia. Not to mention the glorious tangents that the week's news will no doubt bring us. Uh, Join the conversation on Twitter at SportsBeefPod, Instagram SportsBeefPod. SportsBeef.net is our website, hosting our blog and all of our sounds and mixes. But until next time, thank you for listening. Keep on beefing.
1: Nightmares come true It was time to marry the game And I said, yeah, I do If you want it, you gotta see it With a clear eye view Got sure that she try and bless me Like I said I do